Welcome to Emerging Europe Talks, a series of discussions offering insight and intelligence designed to help entrepreneurs, investors, governments, and all knowledge seekers navigate Emerging Europe. The talks focus on innovation and technology, sustainable social and economic growth, and help the right people identify the right opportunities and trends. Today, Emerging Europe talks technology with a focus on modern communications. I am Andrew Robel, your host, and I am joined by Victoria Masso, the founder of Behavior Hackers. Victoria is an international trainer based out of Birmingham, UK. She's been working on building bridges between technological advancements and human interactions using behavioral science. She has received special recognition by the UK government as an exceptional talent in the technological sector and has consulted on how to accelerate digital innovation all over the world with the International Telecommunication Union, a United Nations agency. Victoria, it's an absolute pleasure having you with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me here. I'm really, really happy and excited to to join this conversation with you, Andrew. Thank you. All right, so let's kick it off. I don't think we can run away from COVID, not only metaphorically, but also literally. What kind of changes in people's behavior and communication have you noticed over the past uh, few months? Wow, that's that's. I think there's a there's a lot to unpack in this question actually because um, it's been months, and I think that we have seen how as humans we have gone through many many different stages. It's um, almost like an invisible uh, threat, and for the people that are listening here that have been in countries or situations where you actually have a physical threat, it's almost like it feels very different because you don't see it, so you don't know how to. Mm. really go against it so one thing that i noticed at the beginning that happened and everyone noticed is that all of a sudden there was no food on the shelves and there was no toilet paper but because mm. it's the thing that you're used to buying and you want to take that control back then the same happened with food and then ultimately we ended up as people uh, generating scarcity just because um just because because we had to have that control so that was just like one little thing that happened initially the other thing that you see also with people trying to uh, gain control is, I don't know if you've seen, Andrew, this like increasing conspirational theories, like they range from, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's just like anything that you can think of, there is a conspirational th- conspiracy theory about this um, in the sense of like, how was COVID created and why is it happening? Somehow even, so I am from Venezuela and I've seen people connecting this with Black Lives Matters and with what, what's going on in Venezuela none of these things are related and somehow people are actually making you know making sense of it somehow um so is this trying to get control of what we don't understand because as humans we don't like uncertainty and the fact that we cannot see this um you know this virus the fact that we don't know anything about it the fact that we don't even know when we're going to go back to a normal life people have to make sense of it and they mm. what these are just two of behaviors that you can see uh, there's so many other things like you have the people that are going to go, they already went into denial straight away. Um, and they were like, oh yeah, nothing's going to happen. And boom, a lot of them got sick. Uh, but you still have the ones that are in denial. You have people that go angry, uh, bargaining. I don't know if this, you encounter anyone like this, that they were like, so I think, well, I can go to this bar or I can try to go and meet these people, but maybe not this. Like, is it okay? Am I going to get infected? Like bargaining to see like, is this actually really a bad thing? So you Really, a lot of people went through the stages. Also, some people actually, you see them going 
very low like I know I've struggled with my with my feelings and how I feel like I've had really low days so you know this there's a lot of like to navigate really uh in in the sense of like how do we is a very it's an unknown and how do we really handle this and I think a lot of people have you know they have been struggling uh this has been an outstanding increase in the sense of uh, mental health uh, re- resources and support, people trying to access uh, support. And I know that uh, there was a research that was done during the uh, Great Recession that was quite interesting because you think about the, the impact at the moment and then but what happens in the future, right? Because all these things are causing PTSDs. Uh, they're causing people to be depressed. So it, maybe some things that we don't see or we see slightly at the moment are that later when we actually get out of this or as this continues to happen or pass the time that's that's passing is going to um be more visible so there was a a study that was done during the great recession that actually evaluated i think it was per so because of unemployment uh per point in in terms of percentage that it increased there was a 1.6 percent increase in suicide uh death and also because of drug abuse so it's like this, all these things are going to change and we truly have to learn how to navigate them now and how we change our behaviors now so they don't affect us in the long run. And how has that translated into business interactions? Oh my goodness. So, um, <laughs> so many things. I think this, this is very dependent on the country. Um, like if we talk about China, for example, they're different because they're more costume as a whole thing about using wearing masks. I think we, it took it took it took us a long time in Europe to get used to like the whole idea around the masks. This is now being enforced in in many countries. But the first thing that I keep hearing uh, people complaining about is the mask when they're having uh, meetings and things like that. Mm. Um, which I get. I've actually was interviewed recently talking about um, smiles. Like, how are we actually going to read people? Like, do we know what they're thinking? And this is such a valid point because I think the mask, because it covers so much of our faces, especially when it comes to business interaction. Like, if you think about yourself in a meeting room, talking to someone, um, one of the greatest advantages that you have as a negotiator is actually being able to read the other person. If you think about body language, body language... uh, or nonverbal, actually, uh, to be more specific. So anything that you communicate to another person that is not words is actually something between 60, 60% or more. It depends on the context, mm-hmm. um, which means that then if you cannot see part of the face, you, you're going to start feeling a lot of insecurity and, and lack of confidence in reading mm-hmm. the other person. So if you're telling, if you're explaining in a meeting something, you don't know if, the, if your coworker um, actually agrees or disagrees necessarily. Um, so that's, that's a big, um, I guess like a hurdle that we have to go, uh, pass and we have to start thinking about really paying attention. I think more than before on how we, um, you know, we read facial expressions, how we use Mm -hmm. our hands as well, but we're going to truly have to start thinking about this, especially in cultures where they don't use hands, because we're going to, if this keeps going and we have to use, you know, we have to use the hands, uh, sorry, the masks, the other thing is that we can handshake. Sometimes when we get these handshakes that are weak and we don't like, I don't know if sometimes we get like what I call the lettuce, the wet lettuce or the dead fish. Um, sometimes yeah. that person makes an impact on us. And it happens sometimes that you can remember the person because like, oh, that really caused a first impression, right? So handshakes are important. Same as if you get a good one. Um, that's the first the first connection with the person. Not only you release oxytocin when you when you are doing handshake, which is a, one of the things that create that connection. So 
um, that's a, some, a hormone that is in your body and it creates a connection. It also is released when you like with eye, eye contact and other, when you hug someone, for example. But is that the uh, social, almost like lubricant of between people that allows you to create that connection? Is that chemical, be one of the chemicals behind it? Anyway, we, ha we have deleted the handshakes, which have so many purposes. <laughs> I know, what do we do, right? So people are using the elbows, but that's not even close to what a handshake is supposed to go. So that's another thing that is changing. And we have to, because we have to navigate that as well, because what's happening now is that we are eliminating a lot of things that make us human, right? So smiling at someone and being able to read that, uh, being able to read people's communication fully, uh, that, that, you know, that over 60%, where is that going? Uh, the handshakes and even just how close you are to someone. All these things we are yeah. going, and it's funny because from a body language uh, expert perspective, especially because my, uh, what I work on is communications. It's so interesting to me that everything now has to be reevaluated. Re so potentially what's going to happen from this is that, and I already seen some, in some initiatives is that we never thought about masks as anything else more than, you know, you're a doctor, you wear a mask, but now we actually have to think about how do we, yeah. you know, communicate again, like humans, like, like how we are used to evolution, like from an evolutionary perspective, what we have, what we have become, like what makes us uh, make those connections and redesign the mask so i've seen there's been some ex mit has uh, shown some examples of what they want to do there's been a lot of i know that i have a friend that uh she even have told me that we should have design thinking exercises into creating a new type of mask because it these are problems that people are encountering in in work in their envi regular environment in people wanting to go out because we have to keep going but we have to figure out how in a safe way so you see, the challenge I personally have is to interact better and also increase engagement of people who are watching the online panel discussion that I'm chairing or the workshop that I'm running. I don't see their faces, so I have absolutely no clue whether they are genuinely interested or think that I am talking gibberish. What can I do here? For us, it was such a challenge and I'm really happy that we actually started quite early because we had no idea initially we're like well let's try to take some behavioral models and see what we can do here and one of the first thing that we did um so we started trying to find new ways um of, of how to get people coming exactly what you're saying like it's so uncomfortable as like when you're presenting something um that you don't get people engaged and or you don't know if people are engaged you know so one of the things that we actually yeah. tried is that um we use this over commentimeter for example that we we've used it before in our trainings, like, cause we've done training that has to do like, there's lots of people in a room, but what we did now is that we just tried to find new clever ways of doing it or accidentally, this one actually was an accident. So what happened is that in Mentimeter, for example, uh, each slide can be, um, almost like in, you can interact with them. And all of a sudden there was a heart that appeared in one of them by accident. And basically people could put hearts on the slides. So what we started doing that was quite funny is that we would ask people at the beginning saying, hey, so as I go through the presentation, please press a heart in the slide so I know that you're listening to me. And people did. And then actually I was able to assess how engaged people were depending on how many hearts they put. So if I go back to the slides now, I can tell you where I was getting people, like where people were getting lost. And then I can actually start changing how wow. I talked. 
and and trying to you know get them more engaged so that worked so well and that happened by accident i think it's a bit cheesy sometimes uh but you know i'm, I'm fine with cheesy it doesn't matter it worked really well it helped me so much and it helped our trainers as well so that worked perfectly the other thing that we found out is that um just putting activities where people interact so we've done things like we change everything that we do to mural i don't know if you're familiar with mural or miro but they're uh whiteboards mm -hmm. Um, and actually that has been really, really has worked really nicely because we use design thinking and sprint techniques to get people to interact. So what we've done is to make everything super interactive because the more, like we can talk a lot and it's great, but we want people to interact and, and we've just been navigating through different tools. So initially, so I'm a big, I'm, I'm an engineer, so I'm big on tech. And the first thing that I did was like, I'm going to use tools like exactly like this, like mural and, and. But actually what I found is that people were missing so much the organic and the, and the hands on doing something that activities that have to do with literally, I don't know if you, you've seen this on zoom, but built a house with people on a grid, like that works, this sort of things work so well. So what I mean by build a house is that everyone on their, on their videos, they would actually put their hands in certain shape. So it kind of like imitated what a house would look like so you had to design the house with your hands but that means mm -hmm. that you had to see what the person on the right was doing and the person below you was doing in the grid also check-ins as well they were super important um because again it's about how do you get people to be connected because ultimately every time yeah. everything we do we want to feel connected well what's the goal that we want to achieve and then, okay, can we use technology for this or do we just make it more organically? And that actually worked quite well because then we lost the focus from, you know, using fancy tools or, or whatnot and actually focus on what was really important. How do we get people to feel connected? Are there any positive behavioral changes or patterns resulting from the pandemic? People are going to start learning if they're not already to be more empathetic and to actually take more time to read people. So before it was something that we do really quickly, but now we have to really make an effort. So that's going to be huge because taking the time to acknowledge other people and to actually see other people, that's, that's very important. I think the other thing is that, uh, between coworkers, we've been able to have a, like a little bit of an insight on everyone's lives. Um, I don't know if you remember at the beginning of the, of the, of the COVID-19, at least, I don't know if you, if you guys are still doing it or if you've seen this, Andrew, but. Everyone, it doesn't, didn't matter who it was, would start by asking, so how are you doing? How are you coping? And you would have CEOs yeah. that the conversations would start literally about how are you, like, how are you driving your kids? Like, how are you driving your kids? How are you, you know, are you, are you dealing well with your kids in your yeah. house? And actually people were trying to try, they were trying to connect on a deeper level. And that, I think that was incredibly nice because it started to remove initially, at least, um, that's you know like the first that you start like, oh i'm going to talk to someone and you show how you know my my degrees and and all the all my success and all that but actually it took us like we took a step back and because we all were dealing with the same situation yeah it's almost that we were connecting to a deeper level and what i have found is that i actually my co-workers now so the i work in different projects and all these people they have become they've had an insight in my life i've had an insight in their life and they've become my friends and it's very different, our uh, dynamics, than before that was maybe just, you know, very straight to the point. So those checkings, those the check on our mental health, that has, um, it, it's almost like it has become a thing. And I think that's a really positive thing because it's needed.
especially in our lives that are so fast, we need, it's kind of taking us back to remember that we're humans and we have to connect. And I think that has been huge. That was the first part of Emerging Europe Talks Technology with Victoria Masso. In part two, we will be talking about how to marry technology and human behavior. Stay with us. Welcome back. So first off, you owe us an explanation. An engineer focused on researching behavior, how did that even happen? And how to even connect technology with, which is by definition inhuman, with human behavior? Actually, um, so my background is in engineering. Um, I did telecommunications engineering and I graduated as a sound engineer in the UK. And what happened was that afterwards, the way that this came to be um, and that I came to be doing what I'm doing at the moment is that I decided that I wanted to start a company because because that's what I thought made sense at the moment and I ended up doing a master's in international business afterwards and I started my company um, with support of, of the university that I was in and what I later, later realized is that and I'm sure that a lot of engineers can relate to this is that I couldn't communicate properly I generally could not tell a story. I could not explain myself correctly. I couldn't do proper communications. And you need this for business, period. It is, you need it, especially if you're a CEO. And this happens a lot. You see yeah. people that have great ideas in technology, but they're incapable of selling them. Um, that's why they hired communicators, <laughs> people that specialize in communications. <laughs> and so I thought, hey, I need to learn this because why don't I know this? Uh, and I started researching about it. And then I started doing studies. Um, and I fell in love with it. And then I thought, hey, how can we automate a lot of these processes? But then again, you think about is empathy. Can you? But the cool thing is that actually data um, allows us to quantify a lot of these things and also understand people on a deeper level. So if you actually can find patterns, I'm not, I'm not saying that everything can be figured out by technology, but one of the things that we aim to do is leverage technology to be able to actually help people uh, improve their behavior. So what we do is we focus on communications and we also focus on building um, people with these capabilities and the skills uh, for the future work, which actually at the moment with COVID-19, you can see um, how these are much needed because at the moment, uh, the people that were agile, that had growth mindset, like many elements that actually talk about the future workforce um, would, are the people that are moving forward. Um, I know, I know that a lot of you guys, uh, especially listeners, um, you've seen people that they get, they got stuck and I have friends that they even said, Oh, I'm going to wait to, for this to end so I can continue with my business. But the reality is that you don't know. So we're, that's what we're trying to build. And then how do you get people from that mindset, for example, to actually being, active members of the community that are helping grow the economy in a way that they are adapting and changing because technology uh, I heard once uh, in an event technology has no mercy and that's true um, it, technology is not going to stop for you so you have to catch up and the only way that you can, can catch up is by doing having the skills so how does it relate to technology well you leverage technology to be able to learn this uh, by understanding pattern patterns by integrating machine learning um, you have, for example, AI, AI, what it wants it in many different ways. One of the, the, the objective, or at least one of the projects that people 
are having is how do you create um, an AI that can act like a person? And that's what we see all the time in sci-fi movies and things like that. But actually, if you are creating someone or, 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 or something that can replicate a human, they have to use behavior. So there's so many things where they connect. So for me, um, or how I see it, actually they work perfectly together together, um, rather than not. If we look at artificial intelligence, which you just mentioned, an average person barely knows what it is rather than you know a droid such as C-3PO from Star Wars. How can we even think about communication and interaction with um, artificial intelligence? The first thing that we have to think about when it comes to AI or any technology is that they have to be made more approachable. And I think that a lot of people are terrified of just the concept of AI. Uh, we actually had a TEDx event recently that I helped organize. Uh, it was all online. <laughs> Again, we're going and, you know, everything's going online. We cannot go anywhere. Um, but <clears throat> there was uh, one of the speakers talk about uh, this very interesting concept of like, how is AI going to, you know, substitute it? Are we supposed to allow it to make decisions for us? Is it supposed to be smarter than us? And I think that's a very controversial subject. And one of the things is that people get terrified because it doesn't seem uh, accessible. And I think one of the first thing that we need to think about AI um, or machine learning or any sort of technology that sounds so uh, overwhelming is that how can we make it simpler and actually understand that technology is not, it's not the end goal, but it's just a, a way for you to get to your end goal. Because ultimately, um, and I think that's something that make, will make it more accessible, is not a lot of people and companies like to throw words around like, oh, we want to use machine learning. That's a big one. Like you put machine learning and then it's like, yeah. oh, come on, invest in, invest in my company. I'm using machine learning to create light bulbs. Like, I don't know. It could be anything. <laughs> but the thing is that they love these buzzwords. But in reality, what we need to think about is, no, what is it my objective? What do I want to get to? What, what, what is it that I want to do? And then you see, okay, what technology can I use? And then that way, we can actually start learning about how can we use different technologies in a, in, a, in a way that actually generates an impact instead of being terrified of the, of the suggestion that, for example, machine learning or AI is going to take over the world. So it's almost like by, by, not, by not making it approachable, we're losing a bit of control. And we have to regain that control so people feel comfortable. And we see it again with COVID-19. When we feel we don't have control of something, when something seems too, too powerful, too big that we don't understand, we fear it. And then we start creating conspiracy theories. We start, you know, we try to get back control. So we have to make things, you know, grassroots approachable so people understand how can I use it? Because reality is that uh, AI, uh, machine learning, I can, blockchain, all these things with their fancy words, they are elements that can help societies. But they will never help any society if common people don't know how to leverage it. And for that, we have to make it accessible. And it doesn't contradict communication. It should support it. Because that's the other thing. I think I'm a big mistake. Um, and actually a positive thing about COVID, even though COVID has been awful, but you know, there's always a silver lining, I guess, in everything, is that, for example, we have technologies like Zoom. We have uh, VR. I, I was the first one to buy a VR headset to start testing VR communications with people to do and, and train body language on VR to the presentation. Like this sort of, I was really trying to figure this out. And, and the thing is that one of the, I think one of the first thing that people started realizing is that the same thing that back to some of the questions at the, at the beginning, 
how do we keep people concentrated? We can recreate human interaction with technology. Not at least with one technology. So now I think it's given us a time to reevaluate what we're using. So is it Zoom? Like being sitting down all the mm. time, is this good for people? And, you know, all these different elements and actually start seeing technology not as, as, as what it is, but actually as a way of getting to where we want to be. So how can we prepare for these future changes? And what, what skills will we need going forward? The most important skill that we need as it, like as my top number one is empathy and for everything. And I think that we've seen it. Uh, so if you see it in technology, for example, if you don't have empathy and you ask questions, you don't have a user-friendly product, right? And you don't have something that actually is going to um, cater or um, serve technology that serves people. You have to have technology that will serve people, not that is just technology to be fancy. Um, so that's the first thing, asking, asking questions and be empathetic. And then that's on the technology side, even in, in leadership, leaderships are, which I actually quite love. Um, so Jacinda Arden, for example, whether you agree with her politics or not, that's a different thing, but she's an incredibly empathetic leader. And we can see in results how that has, how, how that has have an impact. And so I think empathy because it's, and again, it goes back to listening to each other. And something that I think COVID-19 is making us see more and more and be more and more empathetic. And this is going to help us create great products in the future that are going to help everyone. Uh, it's going to help us uh, lead people uh, for great things. And yeah. So empathy, this is your tip number one. Uh, what other advice would you give to businesses, startup uh, founders, entrepreneurs, not only those from the emerging Europe region, so they could improve their modern communication skills and thus help their businesses uh, thrive? The first thing is, uh, I guess, so create a culture. So make sure, like, if you don't have it yet, um, use this time to reflect on your company's culture and start trying to understand where, what, the, what is the culture that you want to have and how can you make your company future-proof? And to be able to make it future-proof, you really have to sit down and, and understand how, how, what's the culture now and where do I want to take it? Because I've seen a lot of people, for example, that um, if, if they were working in companies that do not trust them and they don't feel trusted, then maybe the company's not going to move forward. Uh, if they uh, have a lot of people in their company that don't, they don't have growth mindset, they're just very much uh they're not solution driven they're just they, they get blocked with problems you have to really sit down and analyze that so what's your culture in your company what's your why and are you are you have is your team is the people in your organization reflecting the culture and if not take a step back and reassess it because if you don't fix that quickly by the time something like what happened hits you'll be out of business this was Emerging Europe Talks Technology. I spoke to Victoria Masso, a real behavior hacker. Thanks, Victoria. Oh, thank you so much for having me here. And everyone, thanks for listening. Stay tuned to the next episode of Emerging Europe Talks. Meanwhile, subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. This will help me invite guests that you would like to hear from. And finally, check our news and analysis website at emerging-europe.com. 